So the elders have decided that we will make a slight programming change in that we will not have um, a second uh, um, breakout group uh, today, okay? Because things, <clears throat> things have been running a little bit long. So um, they've also told me that uh, we've agreed that uh, I can allow for some liberties. So uh, uh, I expect to go uh, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, yeah? Okay. Just, just teasing. Okay. So where... No, I got no. I got I got my timer on. I got, I'll, I'll watch the time. <laughs> it's not a problem. Okay, so we're going to be looking at Hebrews, chapter ten. We've been in chapter ten. We're going to be looking and continue to uh, verse eighteen, and uh, cover what uh, the author of the book of Hebrews is dealing with in this particular section. So um, let's start reading at uh, verse fourteen. For by that one offering, that is the offering of Christ, offering himself, by that one offering he perfected forever all those whom he is making holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to, that this is so. First he says, this is the new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord, and I will put my laws in their hearts so that they will understand them and I will write them in their minds so that they will obey them. And then he adds, I will never again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Now, when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifice. So here the author of Hebrews is clarifying that the whole reason that Jesus Christ came is to address this issue of sin. And I know that there are those that... Um, take issue with even discussing sin today. And at Aletheia, you're all, you're all born again. So sin is not an issue for you. Or rather, it, it should not be an issue for you. Because you've been redeemed. You've been covered by the blood of Christ. Um, but as our discussion drifted towards and should have drifted towards um, the issue of sin, um, when you're dealing with non-believers, when you're dealing with people who are in the world, they still have an issue of sin. The reason why the world is in the condition it is in today is because people are driven by self and by their, by their, uh, by their sin. They're issued, they're, they're driven by the fact that everything that they think about is self. Now, you know, I, I know that there are people who take issues with some of my old-fashioned views um, on certain things, but I tell you this, babies are cute, but from the time that they're born, all they think about is themselves. And your whole job as a parent is to, is to guide them away from thinking about themselves. And the reason why we have all the stuff going on in the world today is because there are parents who have allowed their children 
to grow up indulging themselves. That's not what Scripture teaches. Scripture teaches that this emphasis upon the indulgence of self and the gratification of self draws us away and takes us away from our relationship with God and causes us to sin. I will remind you that the best definition that I have heard of for, for sin yet, it's not, a, it's not a chapter and verse, okay. You can call it a Monteism if you like, I don't care. But it is missing the mark. You, you, you may be hitting the target. There are people who are gravitate more towards the good. There are some people that have some, some goodness in them that they gravitate more towards. But Scripture says when we sin, what's happening is, is that we're missing the mark. And the mark is not our standard. The mark is God's standard. See, the whole issue is, is that when we're captivated by the love of self, then we think that we're the standard. And I measure who you are according to who I am. And quite frankly, you all fall short because I'm wonderful. That's the way that the world looks at things. And that's the way who people are driven by sin look at things. Is that they measure everything and everybody else by themselves. Now when we run up against the Word of God, the Word of God tells us that we are separated from God because He is sinless. He is righteous and holy. And our concept and idea of sin doesn't even begin. Doesn't even begin to match up to God's concept of holiness and righteousness. And so, we miss the mark. Now, God set up a system whereby Israel would be able to deal with their sin, which separated them from a relationship with Him. And that was with bulls and cows and, and various animals having to spill their blood and the high priest having to go in on a yearly basis. But the priests having to go in all the time and offer sin offerings. But it was repetitive. It was again and again and again. Jesus Christ, the author of Hebrews, took care of that once and for all. No longer do we have to enter into a special place and sacrifice blood offerings to cover our sin. Because the blood of Christ on Calvary covers our sin so that it is no more as far as God is concerned. That's what the Apostle Paul means when he says that Christ was the propitiation. He is a substitutionary offering. Now the issue is, is that because of that, we no longer have to be captivated by sin. Now the major difference between the believer and the non-believer is that the non-believer is powerless to do anything but to give in to their sin. To give in to their self. 
to give in to their desires that come about because of self. But the believer doesn't have to any longer give in to that. Why? Because we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was talking to his disciples in the book of John, chapter 16, he explained this. He explained to the disciples that, you know, he, he, had, to, he had to leave so that he could send the counselor, he could send the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says, uh, starting at the end of verse uh, chapter 16. But I will send you the counselor, the spirit of truth, and he will come to you from the Father, and, I will and he will tell you about me, and you must always tell others about me, because you have been with me from the beginning. Now I have told you these things so that you won't fall away. Or you will be expelled from the synagogues. The time is coming when those uh, around you will want to kill you because they think they're doing a service of God. This is because they have never known the Father or me. It goes on in verse 5 to say this, But now I am going away to the one who sent me, and none of you, and none of you has asked me where I am going. Instead, I am very sad, but it is actually the best uh, for you that I go away because if I don't the counselor won't come if I do if I do go away then he will come because I will send him to you and when he comes he will convince the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment the world's sin is unbelief in me and righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more judgment will come because the prince of this world has already been judged. Jesus himself addresses the issue of sin. Jesus himself says that there will be judgment because of sin. And if I could leave you with any thought, the thought that I would leave you with is that as a believer you do not have to be worried about sin. But when you're dealing with non-believers, when you're dealing with people who are caught up in their sin, when you have opportunity to talk to people and share with them and they, they uh, share uh, with you about their drama, oh, Lord, do we have drama. We have drama everywhere. We have drama at work. We have drama at play. We have drama with our families. Uh, we have drama on television. There's all kinds of drama. Everybody's got drama. And you know what? A lot of that drama, quite frankly, is self-created. Because people are indulgent of themselves. And they view the world, as I stated earlier, within that indulgence. When they come to you because you're different, because as you mature in Christ, as you yield to the Holy Spirit, your drama should not be as significant. Why? Because you're learning to live as the author of Peter states, holy as he is holy. See, you are learning to live differently because you have had a renewing 
of the mind. You have been changed and transformed into a new creation. And you no longer are indulgent of self. Or at least you shouldn't be. Because your perspective of things has changed. And when people come to you and they share their drama, and you establish that relationship with them so that you're able to talk with them and empathize with them, this is the opportunity where you say, God's Word says this. And you're curious or you're wondering why I don't have the drama in my life? It's because God dealt with my sin, which was causing the drama, and He can deal with your sin also. You have to choose. There is going to be a time of choice. And this idea that is floating around out there in the world today, that all we need to talk about in regard to God is love. Jesus is about love. We don't want to condemn anybody. We don't want to condemn anybody's behavior. One of the biggest issues that the church has faced is that the church has been in the business, unfortunately, over the past 200 years or so, of condemning non-believers. They kind of have this attitude of, well, this attitude that the Jews had. You know, the Jews had this attitude that we're God's people. We're Jews. We're God's people. We have God, and you don't, Gentile. (laughs) Because, see, we're Jews, and everybody who's except the Jew is a Gentile. And the Jews... We're going to be with God, and you Gentiles, oh boy, you, you know, you're just, you're just out. The church took over that attitude in dealing with people. And Christians have taken this attitude where they say, you know, world out there, you are sinful, and so you need Jesus. And that's exactly correct. But you you have to act this certain way. And you're just not meeting God's standard. And because you're not acting this certain way, you're not meeting God's standard. But you can't act the way that you are supposed to act until you have what? The Holy Spirit. The, the thing that makes you to be able to overcome your selfishness is the Holy Spirit. It's not because of you. It's because the Holy Spirit empowers you. It's because the Holy Spirit has transformed your thinking. Now here's my point. Today, in today's culture, the church has misrepresented the gospel of Christ many times over with this idea of Jesus' well, we got people doing the swing of the pendulum thing. So we got people inside of the church who are willing to accept anything and not live according to righteousness. Oh, we accept everybody. 
we accept people who screw around. We accept pastors who uh, screw their secretaries. We, uh, you know, we we accept uh, homosexuals. We accept, uh, you know, everything. And there's no righteousness and no judgment. Or, or, or we go the swing of the pendulum and we go out and we stand on street corners and call out the homosexuals as fags and they're going to hell. Where's the balance? Here's the balance. I'll tell you the balance. I'm going to leave you with this. Here's the balance. The balance is this. Is that God's Word says that those people who reject Jesus Christ are going to hell. That there will be judgment. God's Word says that God has a righteous standard. But how is that righteous standard met? Through the blood of Christ. And only those who are covered through the blood of Christ will have that standard met because it is through Christ's blood. We should be accepting of people that are having issues. You don't have to be perfect to come to Christ. But let me make it very clear that once you're in a position where you recognize your need to deal with your sin and your issues and it's just not working for you and you accept Jesus Christ and the gift of His blood on the cross, you can no longer act as you did before. So what that really means is this, is that anybody who has sin issues prior to their relationship with Christ, duh, of course they have sin issues. Because that's who they are, they can't help themselves. But once you accept Christ, you should start to eradicate those issues and fall in line in your thinking with what God's Word says. And God's Word says, if you're screwing around with anything that moves, stop it. Fornication is not allowed. If you're stealing from everybody, stop it. If you're lying all the time, stop it. If you're a gossip, stop it. If you're a homosexual, stop it. Don't continue. Don't continue to do those things which you shouldn't be doing anymore because you now have a standard. See, before you didn't have a standard. Your standard was yourself. Gratification of self. Do not get me wrong. Illicit sexual behavior and the gratification of self is appealing. Sex drives society in so many ways. In so many ways. I'm not naive. I've seen things that were... Remember, I was a submariner. I've seen things around the world that you couldn't even comprehend. People do some of the wildest things. But nothing is new to man. If you want a, 
a, uh, a, a prescription from God's Word about the heart of man and where he is, go back and read Numbers and Leviticus where it talks about uh, having sex with the dead and, and having sex with animals and doing all... Like, 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 like it's something new in society. It's not new. This is old stuff. What's the difference? We, the church, are not to adapt to society's view on righteousness. And God's Word sets the standard. Not the world around us. God's Word sets the standard. And we are coming to a point in our society today, which I believe is preparatory to the return of Christ, and, I, I, you know, I know you hear that. I've heard that for 20, 30 years. Um, but but we're, we're coming to this point to where people, even within the church, are not um, listening to God's Word. Even in the church, they're accepting all kinds of behaviors which are simply non-acceptable. Thinking that the church, that, that, that God's Word is now irrelevant and that it has to change because society around has changed it. And what God's Word says is this, is that there will be exactly those times. And there will be those who teach within the church, but have no power. They play church, but they have no power. This week I was reading an article um, from a, a, a group uh, that um, Jews for Jesus, so... Uh, Rosenthal, Marv Rosenthal, excellent uh, Bible uh, teacher. And he was talking about some of the conditions that have to be present for the return of Christ to come. And he was trying to keep them within a relevant understanding so that they were as truly biblical as they could be. So, for example, he was talking about the fact that the temple has to be rebuilt. Likely the temple will be rebuilt very quickly. And then this charismatic leader will come about which will defile the temple. The book of Revelation and the book, and the book of... Uh, of uh, well, not only Thessalonians, but uh, Old Testament um, Daniel. The book of Daniel talk about this. That in the end times, these things will have to happen. And, and so he's kind of relating it. And in his article, he talks about the fact that, that there, there is going to be a mass apostasy within the church. And when the Antichrist positions himself, 
he believes, and, and I tend to agree with this because I'm, a, I'm basically a mid-tribber, but I still hold to pan-trib. <laughs> so, <clears throat> probably, probably, uh, the church will be raptured in the middle of this. But the, so the, the church will be able to see some of the things that happen during the tribulation period. And we will be forced economically to take on certain things because it's happening within the world around us. And my, for example, you know, the economy. Listen, all the stuff that's going on right now in the Middle East, all the stuff that's going on with Russia, see, all that stuff is preparatory to Christ's coming. See, the, the, the alliances which are being set up, the fact that, that Putin is seeking to reestablish the USSR, read the book of Ezekiel and the prominence that that region has. The, what, what's going on with those nations which surround Israel right now, the, the, with uh, Syria and, and the difficulty that Syria is having now with this group that has risen up, ISIS, or some call it ISIL, and we're trying to contain that, and the, the Muslim nations which are surrounding that, this nonsense that everybody says that, you know, Islam is a peaceful nation, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Go back and read the history of Islam. There ain't nothing peaceful about them. How it is that this is all going to come together, we should be aware of. We should be aware of all these things that are happening. You know, uh, any of you affected by the, uh, by the credit card scam uh, with Target? Any of you affected by the credit card scam with, uh, with uh, Home Depot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, what this is, what, what, what's going on with the economics around us is that the, this is preparatory to forcing some type of a one-world system. When man tried to raise up before God before, in the Tower of Babel, God, God changed the languages. He confused the languages in order to separate out and, and restrict the ambition of man. What is the current Tower of Babel? Internet. You, you know it. Good. It's the Internet. There are all kinds of stuff going on right now as we have never before seen. I floated an idea with Josh. Uh, we were talking the other day. Josh and I talk quite a bit, and I floated an idea with him that uh, I had been listening to uh, um, Swindoll uh, preach on uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, I thought to myself in listening to that allegorically that it could very well be that the United States is becoming Sodom. And the reason why the U.S. is not even mentioned in Scripture is because the behaviors that the U.S. is taking on are going to be so repulsive 
that God will destroy us as He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Far-fetched? Don't think so. It's very possibly within the realm of what may or may not happen. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. What I do know is that the church is going to be weeded out. There are going to be people who go to church and think they're good Christians who will fall by the wayside when their faith is tested because they don't really stand on the Word of God. They don't really allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to indwell and empower them. And they will fall away during this, this persecution which is coming our way. I'm not talking about are they going to lose their salvation. That's a theological nonsense question. That's not my job. Jesus Christ is the one who saves. Jesus Christ is the one who judges. That's not for me. The Word of God will stand as the judge as to how I stand before God or not. But my concern, and this is what I will share with you as a parting thought, and yes, I am actually closing now. What I will share with you as a parting thought is this. Is that you need to stand firm. You cannot stand firm if you don't know God's Word. Read it. Meditate on it. What's meditation? Biblical meditation. Chew you could. Regurgitate God's Word. Discuss God's Word. Understand God's Word and allow your thinking to be changed. Because there will be a testing which will come through. And those who are not schooled in the Word of God will fall by the wayside. The world holds its views about all this stuff that we see going on. Oh my goodness. The, the, the stuff that is in movies today, the stuff that is in television programs today. You ask, Pastor, how do you know these things? Why do you watch these things? For you! So that I can tell you how bad they are. So you don't have to. So, so I can tell you about what I see. So when you watch those things, a little red light will go off and you go, oh, oh, I didn't see that before. Pastor Monty mentioned that. The world is changing. The world's standards are changing. The, the uh, Presbyterian Church, the largest Christian denomination Reformation, Christian denomination, the largest Christian denomination in the United States. Finally, they've been trying for years. 
finally voted last year to allow practicing homosexuals to pastor the Word of God. Passed by more than a 50% margin. What? Really? The world around us tells us we can do all these things. We can lie, cheat, and steal. We can, you know, smoke, drink, and chew and go with girls who do. We can, we can do all of those types of things. But God's Word is the standard that we are to live by. And I would encourage you to saturate yourself with God's Word so that you know what God's standard is because God's standard does not change. I am a student of history, and I will tell you that historically speaking, Nations corrupt themselves from within. The standard of society changes. God's Word does not change. And it is God's Word that we be held accountable to. And so I encourage you to absorb it, to regurgitate it, to study it, to talk about it. This is one of the reasons why uh, your Bible study in the book of Romans, is so exciting because Josh is challenging you to think about what is being said and how it affects who we are as believers. This will be the challenge as we go into the future. We are set apart, and we will be set apart. And your views are being challenged constantly from all around you. But keep in mind, that there will be a testing for purity. Do you know that, that, that when you make gold, that there is a refinement process that you have to cook the gold? You know when you make gold, you have to cook it? And so you, you take, uh, this is one, I mean, people get chunks of gold. They're kind of rare now, but they get chunks of gold. But you know the strip mining that goes on to get gold because there are gold flakes in the earth? And they take that, that dirt and they boil it down and the, they slowly begin to skim off the top of what they're boiling. It's called dross. And they slowly skim off the top and get it out of there until they boil it down and boil it down and boil it down until what they're left with is the purest of gold. There's a refinement process. The church is going to be refined. And you are going to be refined. And I pray, I pray for this body that you will be able to withstand those things that are coming and you will not give in to what the world would have you to believe. God's Word is the standard for how it is that we are to live. And it is by God's word that we will be held accountable to judgment. I encourage you to go forth saturating yourself in God's word and allowing him to change you so that you live holy and righteous lives and Christ be glorified in the process. Let's close in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this time that we've set aside to worship you, to praise you, to thank you for who you are. Father, thank you that you 
have revealed through the author of Hebrews the significance of the work of Christ on the cross, that we have been called out from sin, that we are covered by the blood of Christ on Calvary, that it is a one-time covering and it covers us so that we no longer have to again and again and again address our separation from you because of sin. But now we enter into the Holy of Holies. Father, we enter in as your children. Father, we enter in as those who have been changed and transformed by the renewing of the Holy Spirit that we might bring glory to you. Father, I pray for this body that as they go out and they're involved in the things of the world, they have to work and they have to involve themselves with family and friends and people. They you know, can't isolate themselves like monks, but, but Lord, they, they, they have to be involved. I pray that your Holy Spirit would protect them. Lord, that you would help us to not give in to the changes that we see happening in our world, but that, Father, we would stand true to what your Word has to say. And your word would be that which drives us that we might be a people that bring glory and honor to you. Father, that we might stand before your throne in judgment as those who have lived a righteous and holy life. Father, I pray your blessings upon us as a a people. I pray your blessings upon this congregation, Lord, that you would just encourage us and help us to stand firm. And now unto him who is able to keep us from falling, to present us faultless before his throne with exceeding grace, to the only wise God, Jesus Christ, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. May God bless you. Thank you. Bacon, bacon, really? Thank you, sweetheart. Bacon. Just a, just a couple of things real quick. You can see the waterworks is already flowing. Now, oh, apparently time's up. Okay, uh, just a, a couple of things real quick. First of all, we want uh, we want definitely to let uh, the Reverend Pastor Monty Ray McGarry know the impact that he's had on all of us, the things that he's taught us, and I also want to make sure that you're all aware that this doesn't mean that he's gone for good. This is his last official sermon uh, in this church as he is set to to retire at the end of the year. He will bestow upon us guest preaching status from time to time, Uh, but uh, we just want to make sure that we extend how much we appreciate this man. Let's give him one more round of applause, and we'll pray to close.
Somebody help that child. So let's go ahead and take the opportunity to pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you. We thank you for providing for us a man who has a heart for you that, uh, that has taught us so much, that has put so much into his legacy as to add to your legacy, Lord. A man who has selflessly put himself and his family through many trials, that has stood firm for you, will continue to stand firm for you. We thank you for the reflection of you that this man is. We would pray that as he, as he looks for uh, other opportunities, Lord, to work for you in other ways, that um, you would just continue to bless him, you continue to bless his family. We thank you for the legacy that has been shared with us. We thank you for him making sure that we had a better future that we have a better upbringing than he did, Lord. We just uh, can't speak enough about how blessed we are because he's in our lives. I pray, Lord, that no matter where he goes or what he does, that he would be able to continue to touch people and they would continue to feel your presence because of his presence with you. I pray all these things in your son's name. Amen.